all new episode of Talking the Mayans. Boy, we've got a huge show in front of us today to talk about. With me is my co-host, Kinte. Kinte, how are you? I am wonderful. I am so happy to be here and I'm looking forward to talking. So, you know, before we get into sort of the specifics of the episode, let me ask you uh, a quick question. In terms of where we are in the, 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 the Mayan storytelling, what are your opinions right now about where we specifically are? Like, have you noticed that, that we're sort of in kind of a, a good place from the serial perspective, like getting a little bit of stuff each, each episode, just a little bit of a reveal and then some stuff that's happening? Or do you feel like we're not quite moving at the same pace that we were last season? Um, I think that uh, the pace of this season is, it does feel a little different, but, um, you know, I know that we've kind of gone back and forth about how we we feel about it, but I feel like this season's been pretty good, and definitely uh, I love the pacing of it. I, I think it's been really good. It's, it's funny because... Um... Uh, you know, I'm definitely of the mind that last season we had a lot more narrative progression in our storytelling. And this season we seem to be headed toward uh, a little bit more, let's get to know the Mayans, let's get to understand more about what makes them tick as a club. Um, you know, let's really explore what the MC is all about. And and we allow for certain characters to shine. It was almost like season one was sort of the uh, foundation material that we needed to kind of tell the operational story for season two. And this episode made me really feel that way because we had a number of sort of confrontations for the group to, for the MC to deal with. And then we also had sort of the individual drama. So I'm going to pick it up with um, obviously easy, through no fault of his own, poor little innocent easy, uh, the the clerk ended up dying, and that uh, he it seems like easy might have cleaned up the scene just a little bit and made it look even more like it was just a suicide. And uh, so, well, I guess I shouldn't say and, but it, there is also this unease between. Uh, Emily and EZ because Emily can't get in touch with EZ and EZ's dealing with some other stuff and that all kind of filters itself out. But it was very interesting to me at the beginning that we start obviously with kind of where we left off at the end of the last episode because it really does feel to me like EZ dodged the proverbial bullet. What do you think? Uh, yes. Yeah, I uh... I do kind of feel some kind of way about that because it did kind of, it wrapped up a little too easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, like the way that it was, it, it ended was like, it was going to become like this big thing. And then it's like, oh no, it's perfect. Perfect. You know, not a problem, nothing to see here. And uh, so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, love that, but who knows though, maybe, Maybe this it may come back to be more than just just that. So uh, I, I I think I don't believe that though. I believe that this we've seen pretty much everything that we need to when it comes to this. Yeah. But, 
But uh, I mean, you know, I guess there's a possibility that it could. Uh, there might be more. Well, you know, to that end, along the same lines, what did you think about uh, the mayor basically telling Emily and uh, telling the Galindos together that this can't happen again? I mean, clearly she was thinking that they had something to do with this. Right. But they per but it seemed as if she aimed it directly at her. You think she aimed him. it directly at Emily? It seemed like it. Hmm. Or maybe, well, I, maybe I read that wrong, but... I, I, you know, I don't know. I have a feeling that nobody really knows exactly how to interpret uh, the Galindos together. Um, like, they, they don't know who the strength or who the foundation of the decision-making really is with. And I think that that's part of Emily's... I mean, we've talked a lot about how much we don't dislike Emily as a character, but I think that that has a lot to do with uh, with Emily's want to sort of uh, be in the limelight, so to speak. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, she's really trying to assert that she's got some decision-making power. And that feels to me like sort of the emphasis that we've been seeing from her and this was sort of the payoff, but I still think that she is still, at least in terms of where everybody else sees her, except DZ, uh, behind the shadow of Miguel. She's not, I don't feel like that particular situation really, I feel like everybody still thinks Miguel is pulling the strings. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So he's, he isn't really in a lot of instances, no. Yeah, he really isn't, which is which is kind of interesting. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, you, like, hmm? you like that, huh? I I do kind of like that because it, it because it shows simultaneously that look, Miguel is not really in charge of everything, um, and that some things are still outside of his purview, which makes him feel a lot more. Uh, like there is the possibility that something can happen, which we don't expect. I mean, like, I, I hate it when characters are sort of, quote unquote, bulletproof. It really bugs me because there's no way then for us to sort of find ways to make the drama interesting. I mean, right. in some ways, I have that very same problem with Potter, because Potter always feels so bulletproof. But I did find... uh um, I did find the conversation between Angel and his dad very interesting when he says, uh, you know, Potter has his own flaws and we can exploit them along those same lines. I thought that was really interesting because it means that he really has thought about this a bit. Oh, yeah, he's definitely... Uh, for sure, thought about it because he understands that that Potter is somebody that needs to be taken down. Do you think that Felipe really? I mean, do you think Felipe? I, because I do. I personally think that Felipe recognizes that Potter is actually the bigger threat, even bigger than the Galindos. That you know, if anybody is going to have, if anybody is going to be a problem, it is going to be. Potter, not because Potter, not just because Potter is, you know, U.S. 
because the connections to the government, but because I personally think that Felipe recognizes that there is a, a, a kind of evil underneath Potter, uh, a joyous reveling in uh, almost sadism, which he sort of manifests whenever he talks about causing harm to other people. And I really think that Felipe has probably worked with enough people over the course of his, his lifetime to recognize that that is a very dangerous person. Yeah, he does. He definitely has that understanding of this is somebody that we definitely have to uh, keep our eyes out for. And and it's what's odd to me is that Angel, it, it feels to me anyway, like Angel recognizes that maybe on a different level than EZ does. Like, I don't feel like EZ quite understands that at this point. Of course, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like he really does. But that was a really nice little conversation between Felipe and uh, an Angel. It was kind of nice. Yeah, their scenes are, are really good. I, I really enjoy it. They're sort of they're sort of heart wrenching, and this one was no exception. It was a bit heart wrenching because you know he takes responsibility for for himself not being as warm to Angel as he was to EZ, and you know he he basically says, "Yeah, look, I I didn't do a great job," and I, I really I mean it's strange how much I actually feel for him in that moment, but I really do. Yeah, it, it is. It is a tragic story, you know. Because you think maybe if he did it another way, maybe you know his life could have went a different way. Well, well you know, it, it the the Mayans definitely seems to have a a recurring theme, and that is that parents and especially fathers. I, I mean, I I guess mothers to a small degree. I mean, we saw that with Coco. Uh, you know, Coco's mom trying to raise, uh, but it, it's not that really the same though. What the, the dad piece in all of this is that dads can, dads can really screw up a, a, a young child's emergence into the world of being a man. And depending upon how big that was and how much it sort of screwed you up, it really affects every single thing that you do down the line. And we keep getting reminded of that in the Mayans over and over and over again with Galindo, with Angel and EZ, with uh, I think to some degree, even Coco with, um, with everybody who seems to have, I, I hate to overgeneralize it and call it daddy issues, but I mean, <laughs> everybody has daddy issues in the Mayans and it's funny because it, it, if I were to say that about any other series, I would probably say it very tongue in cheek and be like, oh my God. But in the Mayans, it has this kind of gravitas attached to it that gives us this like very real feeling like, hey, you know, pay attention. These relationships are so important. Look at how important they are. They actually permeate the adult men in the in this uh in this mc and I, I feel like that's actually a really good message yeah um it's it is a recurring theme um on this show about fathers and sons and even daughters and fathers as well so uh and there, there was that scene um at the end when coco when um coco was talking to his daughter and he says uh 
I wish I had, she said something to the effect that I wish I had that moment where she said, she said, I'll never have that. And then he was like, well, maybe you shouldn't have killed your mom. This, this is, you know, this is, I think Coco at his strongest, right? This whole episode was sort of uh, a Coco uh, sub subtext. Um, I, in some ways I feel like Coco is sort of the, the champion of, the underdog in in the sense that no the underdog isn't the right word there is uh there's a pragmatism and spiritual sort of center about coco that sort of is a no nonsense permeate everything uh aspect and the thing that is the most amazing to me about that whole dialogue was that uh, was that Coco said to, when he was talking to Letitia, he didn't just say at the end, he said, I'm proud of you. But he also, I think, made it very clear that uh, where you go from here is up to you, right? right? What happens to you now, you don't look back in the past. You look forward because this is what you have right now. And honestly, that feels very much like a whole Mayan's philosophy we have what we have because we move forward right we and 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 that really seems to be pretty important i think it was even more important when you know they were talking about the fact that uh okay so who's who was the group um the the other mc were called uh they were called Shoot. Good luck. I completely uh, good luck with that. <laughs> I, oh God. This is gonna be bad. Um, okay, well, there's okay, so there's there's another group. They clearly have been uh doing the coyote thing across the border, asking people for more and more money. When they aren't able to pay it, they keep them until they can figure out a way to get the money. It, all of that was morally reprehensible, right? Right. But I don't think it would have meant anything to the Mayans, honestly, except that they were in their territory. They were in the Mayans territory. And that is the no. The the hard no is not that you do something that's not that that's morally questionable or that is reprehensible even. The the no is that you do it and that you don't give another group you don't give the group that you're encroaching on you don't give them the respect you you know that it's interesting the uh i wonder if um coco's daughter made up the part when he says when she said my father is a mayan and then he uh my father is a mayan and they laughed because he was more upset uh, seemingly about that than almost anything. Yeah, and they were too at the table. Like, oh, they're gonna laugh at us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I wonder if that was even really said. You know, uh, I guess we'll never know. But she might, because she she knows her father, right? Mm-hmm. And she knows so, the Mayans now. Right. So, who knows? Maybe she might have said that just just to get him. You know, to get him. Uh, upset, you know? Well, here's the thing, right? The the, the idea that 
the, I think the idea that you don't respect each other, and we've seen this over the past couple of episodes, right? The idea mm. that you don't respect for any reason is sort of a hard uh, stop when it comes to the group, right? The, the MC says, absolutely not. You can do a lot, but you cannot disrespect us both within the group so group member to group member, you know, uh, Mayan to Mayan, and then outside the Mayans, right? You show respect because that's what you're supposed to do. And what I found also interesting about this was that at the table, he, they, they said, why, why is this at the table, right? He was like, why is this even at the table? And right. um, I'm sorry, there's noise in the background and I am helpless mm -hmm. to do anything about it. So I apologize for that. Um, the, uh, it, but what, what put it at the table basically was the disrespect, was the lack of uh, communication and conversation that needed to happen in order for the other MC to come in and be able to do anything, right, in Mayan territory. And what they say is, you know, we've been dealing with this Galindo thing and it's really clouded our vision as to what we are supposed to be as an MC. And I wonder if that isn't sort of a precursor to some things that might happen in the future. What do you think? I, I, I could see that. Just getting up? I could, or just oops, sorry about that. I can see that. I can see that as a, a potential uh, thing because, uh, and I like that too because, you know, we've we've talked about uh, how we might feel about, you know, the storyline that we're you know that they're in and what does that mean and whatnot. So, um, I can I can definitely uh, I like that they took this uh moment to to go into another um another uh storyline well it, it feels to me like this is another layer of of who the mayans are right i mean all this season we have seen sort of the idea of disrespecting the the mc and what that ends up being it ends up you know it usually it ends in death but it but it also ends in uh in sort of like uh, when we see Angel disrespect, he he gets called out for it, and then there's a lot of other stuff that kind of happens in there. There's a big dynamic that's going on um, where he's sort of put in his place, like you know, look, pup, you can't do that. And it th this this season feels very much like we are seeing more of the layers for the MC. And, and I hate to, you know, draw any kind of parallel between this and uh, Sons of Anarchy, but remember back to Sons of Anarchy when a lot of our sort of understanding of who they were as a club was understanding who had what uh, in terms of their responsibility, who respected who, who everybody was in kind of the pecking order. And in the Mayans, we see a kind of a, a bit of a return to that, but it feels like it's more about the MC altogether instead of individual characters carving out their own pecking order, right? You know what I'm saying? Right, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. No, I, and I totally agree with you. 
I, I kind of like it. I, I feel like this is actually a really good direction for them to go in because it keeps us from being so far involved in any one character storyline that if that character, something happens to them or if something sort of uh, transcends the, the actual story arc, that we don't end up feeling like there's no place to go because the character was such an essential part of it. At the moment, it feels like the MC, except for EZ and Angel, I think, um, those those characters maintain sort of the core center, but everything else is really about the MC. And that actually, I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think I think that's one one of those things where this this show is really uh, at the forefront of um, of uh, that kind of thing. You know, I, I really think that that. Uh, the, the thing about this program, especially this episode, is this brotherhood that we see over and over, right? Right. And comparing, you know, Ron Perlman to uh, Bishop. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, Bishop would totally die for his guys, right? And not saying, not saying Ron Perlman's character, I, I can't believe I'm having a brain fart. Um, I know somebody, one of the fans are going to be like, what? You can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to hear it, but. Uh, um, welcome welcome to getting old, everybody. Right, right. Uh, you know, Bishop, you know, well, Ron Perlman would make decisions that would be, you know, some of the people in the uh, group, you know, may die or, you know, because of his decisions or whatever, you know, because. Whereas Bishop is like, I will do anything. I will die for these guys, you know? And there's something about that that makes, you know, this this group or these guys uh, that much more admirable, even yeah. though they're, you know, they're doing crime and murdering people and whatnot, you know? Well, it's Clay, by the way. Um, it, the, Clay, the, thank yeah. you, thank I, you. I, I should edit that out so I won't get killed. <laughs> it's um, the 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 other thing that I think is really uh, like super important about that very same idea is that the MC has a, a, a life of its own, and I'm not saying that Sons of Anarchy didn't have a life of its own too, but it was very wound up in the individual character storylines. And, and at a certain point, they started to really take over so that it was so that it felt more about the individual characters and less about the MC altogether. And in this uh, in this spinoff, the Mayans have done a really good job in keeping a central focus on the MC as the most important part of what we need to pay attention to. It's about the brotherhood. It's about the respect. It's about the. The, the stuff that happens to them, with them, for them, because of them, not any one individual character. And that it does really feel like a sea change in the writing. And it's it's really worked. I feel like it's really worked. Right. Right. And you love these guys. And then, you know, the even though they did it for somewhat selfish reasons, but also when they were able to save those people who were being treated like dogs, Right in cages, and you know, it was it was a great moment. 
it, it, yeah. It, and, and that, again, you know, that's another, that is sort of another uh, legacy issue that I think that the Mayans deal with just as effectively as, um, as the as Sons of Anarchy does, where, you know, the, the things that they do that are awesome are absolutely awesome. They stand out as being, this is the way that good human beings behave. Um, and in fact, you know, to some degree, I almost feel like the Mayans has a kind of, I know it's ridiculous because they've done horrible things. I, I mean, the group, well, individuals have done horrible things, but they, it feels like they've almost censored themselves in the sense that no individual character has done the kind of really atrocious things that were happening in Sons of Anarchy. And to that end, I will say that it, what it, what it, what is the effect of that is that the, the Mayans feel like a more cohesive group. They feel like a more respectable group that it feels like we can forgive them of their sins because damn, look at this. They do the right thing. And, and it's, it's interesting. The psychology behind that is so interesting. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So what, one thing that I wanted to, uh, that I wanted to, I, I definitely just wanted to talk about was, so there's this, there's this whole thing with easy and I don't even know how to say it. Every time easy is in a scene with Emily, it always makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very cringeworthy. It really is. And I, I, I can't tell if it's purposeful or if it's just that, I don't know if the two of them just like don't have any chemistry together or what, but it's, it, it comes through it screen wise. It really comes through, right? It, it really makes me feel like I, I want to just turn away because some inevitable bad thing is going to happen. And I can't even get to the point where I could be sympathetic toward easy for thinking that, you know, he's doing a good thing for Emily. And, you know, I feel like the clerk actually said it best. He said, oh, so, you know, you're going to come back and do this thing for your old piece of, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I felt like that was exactly what he was doing. Like, the, the, look, you just completely threw off any veneer. The clerk was of, funny, too, by the way. <laughs> right? That was, I mean, it was, it was absolutely, th that's exactly what was going on. Tell me that that wasn't what was going on. Right. Yeah, he was only mad at the truth. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, okay, so uh, toward the end, right? Well, well, uh, I guess yeah. Toward the end, uh, Galindo says to uh, to his driver or to to one of the drivers uh, that he wants to have Emily followed, right? One of his guards, uh, Nestor. It was right. Yeah, Nestor. Okay, sorry, I had to remember that. Um, and. And Miguel wants to know where she is 24-7. So Emily clearly knows that and circumvents the whole thing by saying that she's going to talk to the, uh, she's going to talk uh, at, the, uh, at the county building and does this whole dance to meet EZ. Well, which could get him killed. <laughs> which, exactly, exactly. But this whole thing is just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Shakespearean in its tragic formation absolutely what did you think 
Oh man, it was terrible. Like that, it's just another example of why we're not big fans of of that. Well, I don't see. I hate to say because because I mean she's a great actress. Oh, she is. She absolutely is. I don't. You know, funny. I don't actually think that we would hate her as much as a character if Sarah wasn't as convincing as Emily as she is. Right. Does that sound crazy? I, I mean, like, I actually give a lot of hats off respect to Sarah for for being able to pull off this kind of really creepy uh, kind of... She's in such a weird place. The character is in such a weird place. And, and putting a foot on both sides in both worlds and then expecting it not to collide is, I think, very disingenuous of her. But I feel like Sarah, as the actress really pulls it off well. Yeah, and she sure got over his death once she found out she got what she wanted. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> she was all sad about the death because, so it let you know she was more sad about it It may affecting her business negatively. But once, when it, when it was revealed that everything was, was hunky-dory, you, you know what I'm saying? Right. She was totally fine with, she was just like, well, you know, it's the cost of doing business. And yeah. it, 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 it kind of killed me that Easy said, you know, well, I was doing a favor for somebody that I care about because Emily was like trying to blame herself for Marlon's death and all that. And Easy is like, no, you know, he's dead because uh, I because I care. I did a favor for somebody that I care about. And I was like, dude, what are you even doing right now? I mean, have you not learned your lesson? Oh man, I just wow. Sometimes wow. easy makes me just want to reach through the TV and give them a quick slap and say, "Wake up, wake up, bro! This is bad." <laughs> yeah, he he really loves that girl, man. He, I mean, he loves her, and he, you know, he can't even think great with her. <laughs> But but we did leave the episode with Easy saying, "Hey, you know, I know how you can return the favor, and it's a family thing." And I, my guess is that what we have been seeing in previous episodes with Emily discovering the stuff about the Galindos is about to come to bear, right. and uh, what holes that kind of opens up. Oh man, there's there is definitely going to be some fireworks around that. I can I can see it. Can totally see it. I just I, I wonder what side Emily will ultimately fall on. Whether she'll fall on the Felipe, there's nothing here but pain, just leave it alone, or whether she'll fall on the EZ, I gotta know, and you owe me. And I don't <laughs> you know, is she gonna fall on the the most the worst thing you can think of? <laughs> It, it does seem like it does seem like in terms of Emily's decision making abilities, she continues to sort of draw from the well of what's the worst possible thing that I could do in this moment. And that is what she goes with. Yeah, I mean, she's consistent. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> there is definitely that. Uh, you know, uh, the, before I forget, uh, one of the other things that I really liked about this episode, and it has nothing to do with narrative plot, it's got nothing to do with, you know, kind of what's happening in uh, in the Mayans altogether. It's their action sequences in this in this episode were really good. When they yeah. 
go when they go into the half or not the halfway house sorry the safe house dude that was just amazingly handled yeah they you know they they have a great crew and they do such a brilliant job with that and that scene was like you i agree that scene was excellent there there was a, like there was a lot of high intensity stuff but then there was also uh so much tension in in sort of not just what was going to happen but what ultimately kind of ended up happening um that it just felt i mean it it was emotional it was high action it was it was sad oh my gosh it was yeah sad. that was yeah that was a hard one to take a look at you know, and then the way they were treating them like dogs. How was horrible. I think we uh we have to give a little bit of uh, intellectual genius there to Easy for thinking about uh, deliveries, and that I was actually kind of. Sometimes I think they assign Easy slightly too much intelligence because I really want. He doesn't seem to put it to bear unless he actually is sort of faced with a problem. But otherwise, it seems to sort of be sleeping because if he couldn't possibly see what's happening with Emily. <clears throat> I'm I'm a little disappointed in his intellectual prowess there, <laughs> but we'll 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 cut him some slack. Uh, I think he's a, I think he's pretty smart, that guy. I like his character. He, he is. He's definitely really smart. But we see what you know, the filter of uh, <laughs> the the filter of uh, of your old flame to is I guess okay, he's smart in a lot of ways. <laughs> Not so smart. And let me take that back. He's not so smart in other ways. He's just not smart when it comes to Emily. Let's face it. But also, uh, you know, I meant to say this in in our last podcast. Also, I have to say, wh what did Easy even think was going to happen when he showed up at that guy's house? I mean, honestly, did he really think that he was just going to have a heart to heart talk with him? I mean, <laughs> obviously, you know, he couldn't have known it was going to go so sideways, but come on. It started out really good, though. It started, hey, man, remember? Oh, yeah, you were on the team. And he, he looked so happy to see him, too. That was the funny part of it. it yeah. I was like so happy to see him. Like, oh, my old buddy from, you know, even though he didn't remember him. <laughs> you know, he was like, who are you again? It's one of those things where somebody knows you and you don't know them. Yeah, it's funny how you, you can be famous without even knowing it. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I thought that was that was good, but I, I kind of am disappointed though. That that that's the one thing I am disappointed is that I would have wished that they would have um, gave it a little more, um, like you know, made it more of a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it ended up being perfect. You know, uh, it, it was very neatly wrapped up, but you know, the, the thing that I think sort of is, is maybe the reason for that is because of what we just talked about. The fact that easy was smart enough to, sort of tie up the loose ends that looked like they might be around and his ability to see into the situation far enough that he covered all those bases are why it didn't end up being more than it, it possibly could have. So, I mean, in some ways, I feel like it, it really was kind of a testament to, hey, you see how smart EZ is? He actually wiped the, the crime scene in such a way that it really, the only thing that you could point to was the guy committed suicide. 
and the way you know the way that he got shot it kind of you kind of knew that's what was going because it did kind of look like he committed suicide but well yeah it, yeah and easy composed an email on the guy's laptop to the to the council to say i cheated I mean, that was the point behind us hearing that, you know, oh, well, he had sent us a, an email and he confessed that, you know, his, the, he, he had cheated with the Chinese and blah, blah, blah. And this is why, you know, he felt so guilty that he shot himself. But we know that EZ must have composed that because we know that Marlon was ready to basically take the total shot for it and say, no way, you know, the, I didn't do anything wrong. This is my one chance to get out of everything. So clearly, EZ composed that email. Oh, I mean, that's for sure. And he and didn't he say that he did? Did he? I, I if he I did, I might have recall. He, he said he he said that to her, didn't he? Oh, did he say it to Emily in the end? I believe so. I believe I mean, so. Somebody's gonna be like, no, he didn't. You're making things up. Because I, uh, what I heard was, uh, I heard uh, what's her name. Um, Oh gosh, her name's gonna escape me now. But I heard uh, when they went into the the county planning office, I, when she had the meeting with Miguel and Emily, what I heard from her was he had sent us an email, and in that email he confessed that you know basically he he uh, had given some information to the Chinese and you know that and he and and that's what uh, made that the bid disqualified. But the, at that point, you know, we as the audience don't know sort of what else was happening, but but we know that it was easy. We know that's what easy did because there's nothing. What else could you do? Right. But I I don't I actually just don't remember uh, if easy actually said when when Emily said what happened. I don't actually remember that that's what he said, but I could be wrong. I just, I just know that I made that connection in my head and was like, wow, that's pretty, again, I think it just speaks to how smart easy is um, because he had the forethought to kind of put all that together. So made a difference. It, I think it did actually. He's getting very comfortable around death. <laughs> yeah, well, he's getting very comfortable. I think being the instigator of death, which is different, I think, than just even being around it, right? I mean, like, mm -hmm. he has direct bloody hands right now, which we sort of saw in the beginning of the episode where he's got, like, the bloody shirt mm -hmm. sort of soaking in the in the sink. And to me, that really signified that, uh, hey, EZ is, he's got blood on his hands. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He got he got blood on his hands, and he don't seem to have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, one last thing, um, the uh, the young lady who they they saved the brother and mother for. Do you think that that's going to be um, a thing going forward between Easy? He seemed to like her, and she liked him. I, you know, I almost mentioned that, and then I decided not to because I don't know. They're so weird about about. Uh, showing us EZ's who he might be interested in, and mm -hmm. the the but the one thing that I did like about their interaction was she seemed to be, uh, she seemed to have a kind of way not equal to his, but very steady, and 
I, I feel like nobody really acts steady around easy. Women don't act steady around easy. So maybe there's something there. I don't know. Hmm. If there is, if there is, my my feeling is the, uh, that's wow. If if she's Letitia's friend, she's got to be pretty young. Yeah, I'm not saying that Easy is older, but you know she's no Emily. Letitia looked jealous too. Yeah, yeah, she did. Oh my god, it almost broke my heart when Letitia said, when Coco said to Letitia, "You don't have friends." <laughs> <laughs> with some kind of statement of being wait a minute i have to suspect everything that you're saying right now because you don't have friends that was actually really sad i felt bad hilarious so is there anything that you want to uh I, I feel like we brushed on almost everything that happened this episode uh no, I is there anything that we missed no i think uh we 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 got everything, and um, I'm just looking forward to uh, next week's episode. I I kind of am too. I kind of have a feeling that we, you know, we we missed a we missed Potter in this episode. Uh, glad happily, I think, uh, and I'm kind of interested to see what might happen here with the the whole what's Potter doing behind the scenes. My guess is it's something pretty substantial. I guess we'll see. We'll and see. Sun's coming back. That's right. That's right. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So how can people find you on social media? They can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course, the website is IndieRadio.org. How can they get you? You can find me on Twitter at FollowingBliss1. And you can find my websites at MoviesMakeTheMeal.com and CriticalLaughs.com. And once again, I apologize for the crazy construction stuff sounds going on outside I they're building a studio at her home I think, her. yes they're building me a studio yes that's exactly <laughs> right. all right so until next time we'll see you soon all right peace <laughs>